Well, go ahead and grab a seat, everybody. Welcome again to Marin Covenant Church. Welcome online, everybody. My name is Ben Kearns. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And um, gosh, what's so fascinating is I feel like, gosh, this has been a really hard week. It's been like a hard week, a hard month, a hard life, a hard forever. And, um, and what's interesting is you kind of go back into history and you realize everyone's kind of had a hard week, hard week, hard month, hard for like hard life is like the normal part of the human experience. And uh, what, what I think is fascinating about the human experience is we like hardship is normative and yet we want to do anything and everything we can to escape it. And so for, since like every time, ever since people gathered around uh, campfires and told stories, they told stories of heroes uh, that would come and save the day all the way from Achilles to Odysseus uh, to Hercules to Iron Man, right? The whole range has always been, life is really hard. And if only like some strong man or strong woman would come in and save the day. And Marvel has made like a bazillion dollars. And I'm not gonna lie, uh, sorry about this, Doug, but I'm a DC person. And so Wonder Woman is actually my uh, favorite heroine. But it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, she's beautiful. I mean, and strong and all those things. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. But I love that. But but the, what I love about Wonder Woman is again, um, especially the movie. I thought it captured this so well. It was during the World War One or World War Two. One, I still was a long time ago. But you know, it was all of these men, right? trying to save the day. And they're, they're battling each other and there's evil and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And they just could not defeat it. And in comes Wonder Woman, right? The strong woman, the hero, who's gonna come and save the day. And sure enough, she does. And it is incredible. And what I think is fascinating is like, that is just the, the cry of our heart. That I think it, like we, in our guts, we just know that we are not strong enough to save the day. And we just need that person to come in and do it. And I love like movies and books, uh, stories, right? We're always looking for that person. And what's funny and interesting is I think the core of the Christian faith is that exact same narrative, right? The Jewish people under the oppression of Rome, this impoverished, uh, you know, this impoverished community is just longing for someone to come and save the day. They were longing for it. And we see in Palm Sunday, Jesus showing up and the people going, yes, finally, the Messiah, the strong man who's going to come in and usher in the kingdom of God, who's going to restore Israel to all of its height and glory. And people gathered around and they raised their palm branches. They said, yes, we're going to praise you. We're going to worship you. They laid down their coats and said, we're going to surrender our lives to you. And they were ready to go. Because it is the cry of the heart, it is the core message of the Christian faith. But we know because we're on this side of history that Palm Sunday did not work out the way that those people thought it was going to work out. Right? Palm Sunday was the beginning of the end of Jesus' earthly life and earthly ministry. And, uh, and so that's what we're going to jump into this morning is we're, uh, we're in this series called Digging In. We're looking at the seven last statements of Jesus. Uh, we're on the sixth one already. And the statement that we're going to look at this morning is Jesus says, Into your hands I commit my spirit. His very last breath. The thing he says right before he dies at the very end of this incredible triumphal entry of his teaching of this incredible time with his disciples, then being betrayed and being tried and being tortured and being crucified, being mocked and ridiculed. And at the very end, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And you just have to imagine, I mean, I think as a human being, right, who longs for the strong man or the strong woman to save the day. It's interesting that we put our faith in Jesus, who we long to be the strong man, 
but yet the way he lived his life, the way he ultimately died, his ultimate picture of the kingdom is a little bit of a, of a yeah, it's a little bit of a different picture. And so that's what we're going to dive into this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 23, and we're going to catch the very end of the story of Jesus on the cross. So it was about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon and for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And then Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. The very end. The very end of this horrific day. Um, Here he is finally offering up his spirit. And what's interesting is in this ultimate act of Jesus modeling um, and experiencing surrendering his entire life to to God, um, both in his heart, but also in God's plan. Like this was not the plan. Like you think the coming kingdom doesn't mean Jesus dying on the cross. You think of power and majesty and might. And so here Jesus is surrendering himself to the character of God and to God's sovereign plan. So if you have ADD like me and are going to get distracted, here's just the, the big idea that just I want you to think about. You can write down and then you've got everything you need to know for the sermon. So here, this is the big idea. In an ever-changing world filled with uncertainty and challenges and darkness, which we for sure are experiencing, turns out all of humans have experienced, we are invited to deepen our dependence on God's loving character while trusting in his sovereign plans for his coming kingdom. And then when Jesus says, into your hands I commit my spirit, this, that's how I imagine Jesus is doing, he's doing these two things. He's um, depending on the character of God, on God's loving character saying, okay, who you are is going to allow me to trust you. So he trusts God, but not just trusting God with his character, but also trusting God with his plan, with his big plan. Because in that moment, there's no way you can see how God's plan is going to unfold. It seemed like all hope was lost. And in that moment, Jesus was compelled to both trust God's character and trust his plan, which I think is the same for us as well. So I think we have to begin with the, the reality is that it is bad out there. And, uh, and we go to church to kind of get a reminder, to get a retool. But I think if you just watch the news, if you talk with people, I feel like every pastoral appointment the last six months has just been like so heavy. People are like, I used to know how to make money and now I don't know how to make money. I don't know where to invest. I don't know if my job's secure, right? So like on a financial level, everyone feels like kind of unsettled. Relationships are super challenging. Um, it feels like the culture is just crumbling at its seams. There's like, everyone's like, there's like every turn there's some sort of culture war, which is dividing people, dividing families. Everyone is just amped up and hopped up. Um, it just feels like everything is deconstructing. So instead of having like some sort of like something to stand on, anything to stand on, everything is just slipping away. And right, and, and you see this like in every news article and every scientific journal, the fruit of this is causing just nonstop anxiety, depression, right, fear, um, just raised level of serotonin. Is that the bad one? Dopamine is a good one. I, I get those ones confused. You know what I'm trying to say, right? But that's it. I mean, and, and, and we're experiencing that. And when I meet with people, they're experiencing that. I just feel like everyone is just like, oh my goodness, this is so much. And when I talk to people, they're just like, oh, if just the Lord would come back. Right? Which, is just, which is just simply that cry. It's the cry of saying, oh, we need a strong man. We need a strong woman. The world is so broken and crumbling and there's no way to get our head around how in the world are we going to get to their side with all of the challenges, with all of the anxieties, with all of the uncertainty. How are we going to get from here to there? We just need someone to come in and save the day. We are longing for the coming king. 
I mean, I just feel like the people in Jerusalem at Palm Sunday, I just feel like, man, we could be, our, we could be there in a heartbeat. And I love what they did. I love what the children's ministry team, how they talked about it. What they, you know, they, they waved palm branches. What they're saying, okay, Jesus, you are the coming king. You're the Messiah. And we worship you. We praise you. I mean, that's what we do in church, right? We make sure to reframe ourselves, to recalibrate our brains, to go, oh my goodness, our life is not about you. It's not about me. It's not about this little tiny, small life. But there's this God of the universe with this incredible character and we worship him. We raise our palm branches and we go, yes, Lord, we worship him. And then they got tricked in this. And we, we've like been around the block, so we don't do this as much. But they laid down their coats and said, okay, Jesus, and we are going to go where you go. We are surrendering our lives to you. And at that moment, it looked like Jesus was coming in. I mean, Jesus was going to take over. And you, I mean, I know for me, I'm not an early adopter. So there's no way I was going to be the 12. There's no way I was going to be the 72. But I'd be in the crowd for sure in the back going, this might be it. I'm hedging my bat bets. I'm going to worship Jesus. I'm going to lay down my coat and go wherever you're going to go, Jesus. But as we know, that, the, uh, the kingdom, that that is not the kingdom that we imagined. The way that things turned out is not at all how people imagined, right? Because what's so fascinating is we want to worship Jesus. We want to surrender to God, especially if he's going to do what we want. I mean, you guys are probably way more mature than I am. But in my Christian faith, I really want to love God. And I kind of have this bargain with God that if I do things right with him, he's going to make things work out for me. That's like my, my, my bargain. And the cross, I just think, blows all that away. Because when we say, Jesus, we praise you and we surrender to you, we're saying, Jesus, we want to trust you with your character. We love you and we worship you. And we're actually going to submit to your kingdom, to your um, rule. But Jesus' rule ends up on the cross. And so we have to recognize, gosh, what are we supposed to do about that? How do we posture our lives in a way in this new upside down kingdom? And so there's two invitations that we have to reflect on for Jesus' last words. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. When Jesus says, into your hands, I commit my spirit, I think there's kind of two anchor thoughts that I think were true for Jesus and that I hope are true for you and for, I, for me. So here's the first one, that we are invited to deepen our dependence on the loving character of God. That is the anchor. That is the very foundation. It's the, I mean, it's the number one thing we talk about at church all the time. We just say simply get in proximity to Christ. If you're spiritually hungry, you're moving towards Christ. We just think if you just get close to Christ, if you come to learn about Christ, if you spend time coming to church, being in fellowship, reading scripture, right? Being close to Christ, you're going to realize and encounter that this God is actually a personal God who is oozing with love and affection in grace, and not for like humanity, but for like you, right? For you, Matt, right? For you, for you. That, like that God's oozing is for you. It's specific. And so we're invited to grow in our dependence on this deepening, loving character of God. And so when Jesus says, into your hands, I commit my spirit. I mean, this is this act of faith. This is act of trust. It's saying, I'm going to trust you, Jesus. And we trust him because of his character, and we want to be in a, in a position to grow deeper and deeper. Last Sunday, Jeff preached this incredible sermon uh, on one of Jesus' last statements, I thirst. Because one of the anchor things is we want to make sure, gosh, we want to encounter the living Christ. And when you encounter the living Christ, you are going to be filled. And what was so fun is we made space to like just at the end of the service to make some space. And so many people stayed and were prayed for. And it was like, oh, this beautiful encounter where we just like got to soak up God's goodness 
in God's grace. John 15, verse 5, right? says that Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. You remain in me and I'll remain in you. You will bear much fruit. You don't have to try to be better people, but we're people that are connected to Christ. We're always, everything we do, connect to Christ, connect to Christ, connect to Christ. Because when you connect to his loving character, that's when our life is changed. So we want to do whatever we can to connect to Christ. When I was in college, um, I got this devotional book, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. I don't know if you guys have ever had this book before. Um, it's so old that they have like a newer edition in like more, more modern English. Like that's how old uh, this book is. But I love what he says here. He says, faith is, the, is, uh, deliberate, faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. And most of us, we want to understand. We want to put God in a box. We want everything to be dialed in how we want it to be. But the truth is we don't understand how things work. And so are we willing to trust God? And what's so interesting is faith is actually trusting in the character of God. Everything is rooted in the loving character of God. So when things aren't working out the way that you know how they're working out, you trust in him. Um, on Thursday mornings, a bunch of women participate in a Marin morning. It's a Bible study, and there's a, there's a great Bible study and uh, biblical teachers. And one of the teachers they've had over the last couple of years is uh, Pris Priscilla Shriver. And, uh, and she says this, which I think is so fascinating. She says, sometimes God allows us to be placed in precarious situations that require us to trust him for provision, guidance, and sustenance. God allows us to be placed in precarious situations that require us to trust him for provision, guidance, and sustenance. And this is a gift because it's in that process that we get to know him better. What I think is so fascinating is all of us pray to get out of problems, to get out of jams, to make life better. And all of the saints, all of the wisest people that have gone before us are like, oh my goodness, in those hard times are when I've come to depend on God. And when I've come to depend on God, I've come to know his character and when I come to know his character, then I can say, into your hands, I commit my spirit. What I love is God's like, hey, whatever it takes, however long it takes, God is so patient, but he wants us to be in the process to learn about his character. So in the hard times, and what's fun is most of my prayers are, get me out of the hard times, get me out of the hard times. I love being around the saints who are like, whoa, it's in the hard times that we depend on God's character. So one of the invitations that I think we don't want to miss is that we want to deepen our dependence on the loving character of God. But here's the second thing, that we're also invited to participate in his sovereign plans. Now this part I think is super wild because again, if I was God, I would be like the superhero land. Like, hey, here's all the feeble humans. They're not doing a good job. I'm God. You guys sit over here and I'm going to take care of business. But for whatever reason, that's not what God chose to do. God chose out of his loving character to invite us into his family, to not only have relationship with him, right, but to be his daughters and sons, to take on the family business, to be co-heirs with him, and to be about the kingdom of God, which means he needs you and I to be his hands and feet. We are the tool in which God is going to use for his plans to come to fruition. And what I think is so hard and what's so challenging about the cross is I feel like I have a great picture and a great idea and understanding of how God's plans should work. I know how God should use me. I mean, I definitely know how God should use me. And it's in really big and noble, important, famous ways because why would God not want to use me that way? And, I, and because I'm so, I want to be used that way, I don't want to, you know, waste my time on frivolous things right, on unseen things, on things that I can't really get my head around how God's actually going to use that for his kingdom because I have a way things should work out. But what I love about the cross is it throws all that to the garbage, that Jesus' sovereign plans 
are totally different than yours and are totally different than mine and are marked by humility, by sacrifice, by suffering. None of my plans, but those are the plans of, of Christ. So how in the world are we invited to participate? So Dallas Willard, who is this incredible author, in fact, he's like the, the father of spiritual formation. And if you want to talk about a, a, a person who's going to help you uncork, figure out what it means to know the deepest love of God, the deepest character of God, how to be formed by God. He's written several books, but in his book on the renovation of the heart, he says this, we don't believe something by merely saying we believe it, or even when we believe that we believe it. We believe something when we act as if it was true. Oh, that is hard. Because in my head, I know that God is loving. I know in my head that when I care for the least of these, I'm doing it unto Jesus. I know that in my head. And in fact, I even know it in my heart. But I love what he says, but, you, but we believe something truly when we act as if it was true. And so if we want to understand God's sovereign plans, then do we really know in our head and in our heart to actually act out that God's sovereign plans often are silent and quiet and hidden? They're things that are characterized by sacrifice and suffering and challenge, not glory and peace and prosperity, which is what I want. And we know this to be the truth because the greatest Christian people, the Christian heroes that have gone before us are not people who said, you know what? I'm going to do something awesome for God. Those people like scare us, right? When people stand up, I'm going to do something awesome for God, they end up like going super sideways. What ends up happening is there's these people, these silent saints who do this incredible work for decades. And every now and then their work kind of comes out and we look and we go, oh my goodness, they're incredible. Someday I want to be famous like them. That's kind of how we get to. But no, we, it's not that they got famous. We just got a peek at what they've been doing for decades and decades. One of those people is Mother Teresa. And uh, we all know who Mother Teresa is, but the truth is we shouldn't know who she is at all. She's this tiny little woman. And she's, you know, she believed not only in her head and not only in her heart, but in her actual actions that whatever you do to the least of these, you're doing it to Jesus. And because she loved Jesus so much because she trusted in his loving character so much. She's like, who is the least of these? Oh, the leper colony in India. So in the caste system, right, it's like the bottom of the bottom of the bottom, the least of these. Oh my goodness, that's where Jesus is. And so that's where she's going to be. And she says, she says, be faithful in the small things because it is in them that your strength lies. It's the small things. It's washing the feet of these lepers. And what's so funny is Mother Teresa wasn't like, you know what? I'm going to wash these people's feet. Someday one of them's going to rise to parliament and they're going to take over the government and the whole world's going to become Christian because of that. Or she's like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And pretty soon people are going to realize how awesome I am. And then I'm going to get to go and meet famous people. It's, in fact, is what did happen. But even in all those, she compelled people to say, no, you do to the least of these. And so for me, she's so inspiring because she believes in her head and her heart and her action that if she really wanted to love Jesus, then she was going to go to the least of these who were in the bodily form doing those to Jesus. It's incredible. Now, someone who did a little bit uh, in a different sort of way, but I think it's just as a compelling story, is Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman, right? She was uh, part of the, the Underground Railroad. And, um, you know, they were trying to get her on the $20 bill. And there's a movie made out of her, made, made for her. And when she started doing this, she wasn't just like, you know what? This is going to be great. I'm going to be famous one day. I can't wait to be famous. And this is how I'm going to do my legacy. No, she knew in her guts, she's like, you know what? 
I have this thing. There's these people who, who need to be freed, and I know how to do that. She says this, um, I always told God, I'm going to hold steady onto you, and I know that you will see me through. Her deep faith in God, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And so she was able to go, you know what? I'm going to rescue this person. 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 Pretty soon she's rescuing hundreds of hundred people or so, right? She does this whole underground railroad. And at the time it was super dangerous. And there's hundreds of people that will never know who participated in it. But now for us, we're like, oh, that's awesome. She's a baller. I can't wait to get a $20 bill with her. The movie was great. Like she's awesome. And so we think I want to do a great thing so I can be great like Harriet Tubman. But again, Harriet Tubman, Mother Teresa, they're these saints, these uh, quiet and hidden people who did incredible things, who suffered and sacrificed because they believed in their head and in their heart, but then ultimately in their actual body that whatever I do to the least of these, I'm doing to Jesus. And so I think when Jesus says, into your hands I commit my spirit, he commits himself to the loving character of God. But here's the hard part. He commits himself to the sovereign plans of God. And I mean, you guys are, are Marin people. You're super smart and beautiful and work really hard. And you know how to, you know, have tier one and tier two, uh, you know, appointments. And you know how to, you don't want to waste your time for, for anybody because you're driven and you're smart and you're going to capitalize and maximize. Like that's our language. But that's actually flies in the face of the cross, of the hidden, simple, silent, acts of sacrifice to the unseen, to the unknown. For those are the ways that the kingdom of God expands. What I love is I can think about people all day and Kate and I were brainstorming and just came up with people after people of, of, our, of our church who are just these silent people, these silent saints. And what's so fun is I'm going to brag on them a little bit, which means some of their crowns will be taken away in heaven and they're not going to like this, but that's, but that's okay. They'll, they'll keep serving and get some more. So I'm not worried about it. But I, our church is full of these people. And what's so funny is I was thinking about it. There's one thing that they all, two things they all have in common. One, they deeply love Jesus, which is so rad. The second thing, I don't know the right political way, correct way to say this, but they're, they're older, right? <laughs> they're wise. But it, it makes sense, right? Because when you're young and you're trying to take over the world and you're trying to do all the things and trying to prove all your things and you get ahead of yourself and your immaturity, that's the lane I'm living in. At a certain point, you realize, oh, this is how God works. And it's in those small and simple sacrifices for the kingdom of God advances. So one of, one of these people I want to brag on is Chris Nelson. Chris Nelson, she doesn't have any kids. She's this little old lady who, she's kind and wise, right, Chris? She, once a month, loves our kids. She sits in the nursery, holds your babies, prays over them, prays with moms, cares for moms. What's crazy is, if you've had a kid in our nursery, Chris Nelson has prayed for your daughter, for your son, for my daughter, for my son. Faithful, silent, behind the scenes, week in, week out, praying a spiritual blessing. And what does that, because what does it look like? I don't know, but we do know that prayer works. We know that prayer matters. We know that prayer is a thing that God uses to help our kids know and love Jesus. And she is on the front lines every week or so doing that. Oh, Chris Nelson, awesome. You know who else is awesome? Is uh, Carla Mahar. And she's just one of many of these people. But there's people who go to Camelton and are mentors. And they signed up like 10 years ago. Said, I'm going to love these mentors, these, these kids from Hamilton. I'm going to mentor them once a week. Well, a few years ago, Carla's kid moved out of Hamilton. They're not in Hamilton anymore. She's like, what am I supposed to do? Get a new kid? 
Well, Carl's like, but I love this kid. I've already given my, my life to this kid, years and years of my life to this kid. And so now, as this kid's getting ready to now graduate from high school, Carl's like meeting with this person, consistently caring for this person. And I hear so many mentors who have walked with their kid, not just while at Hamilton, but through middle school and through high school. And it's just this silent thing that no one sees, that no one knows how it's going to work, but because they love Jesus. And they know that the kingdom of God is happens when people do these silent sacrifices, the kingdom of God happens. The last guy I want to brag on is, uh, is another old guy, uh, Carl Lundgren. And what's so interesting is he opens up his home all the time. Every now and, I'll be talking, every now and then I talk to him and he's like, oh yeah, so-and-so's living with me. Oh, so-and-so's living with me. Oh, this person's living with me. He just opens up his home to people, especially men who are just in transition and need, and just generously does it, which is awesome. But the thing that he does that blows my mind is every Monday he goes to the Marin jail. Now, it's one thing, people who go to San Quentin, which is an incredible mystery. Uh, but when you're in San Quentin, you're in San Quentin forever. So you actually get to build legitimate relationships. You can see legitimate life change. Um, and plus it's San Quentin. How cool is that? The Marin County Jail? Ugh, right? Like, and people in jail, like they transition every one to three months. So there's always new people cycling through. But Carl Lundgren goes, you know what? Those men there, they need programs just like anybody else. And every Monday he goes and he does a Bible study and he prays with these guys. And it's not like a thousand dollar revival. There's like two or three guys. And he sees them. He gives them dignity. He cares for them. And there's this one guy, Jeff, who like he's actually mentoring and discipling. Like it's incredible. But it's silent and it's hidden. I just stole all of his crowns just like that. But I just think, I think that is the picture. Lord, into your hands, I commit my spirit. We want to commit our spirit to him, to the loving character. And we do that in worship. And we do that with our palm branches. And we worship him. And we have to be people who do that. But we also have to be people who are willing to lay down our coats. And not to lay down the coats for Jesus to come in and be the strong man and take over the day, but to lay down our coats and follow Jesus to the cross and be willing to do the humble thing the secret thing, because it's in the humble and secret thing that the kingdom of God truly advances. I don't understand it. It's not how I would do it, but it seems to be how the kingdom has advanced forever and ever, that we want to believe in our head and to believe in our hearts, but then to believe in our actual actions that whatever we do to the least of these, we're doing it to Jesus. So if you're like, man, I really love Jesus, the best way you prove that is worship Jesus by loving and caring for the least of these. So as we wrap things up, I just would like to encourage you to this. If you could just close your eyes, just close your eyes and imagine the day that's in front of you tomorrow. Imagine all the people that you're going to interact with. Imagine all of the least of these, the people that it's so easy to step over, to move over, to move aside. What would it be like is if tomorrow we say, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. And we're willing to trust our own anxieties, our own challenges, our own fears, and we're willing to trust all that into the loving character of God. We're going to trust him to care for us, to comfort us, to heal us, to do all this work in us, which is going to be so incredible but that we'd also trust him to empower us to be his hands and feet, to be part of his sovereign plan to usher in the kingdom of God in the most silent, 
in subtle ways, in ways that are marked by humility, suffering, that are hidden. Because somehow in all of that, your kingdom advances. And what would that be like if you did it, if our whole church did it, if Christians in general did it? So Heavenly Father, we entrust you with our spirit, thankful for Jesus and the way that he modeled, the way that he came in. And we worship you with our palm branches, but we also want to worship you as we lay down our coats and submit to you. We want to commit our spirit to you the way that you did to the Father. And so as we do, I pray that you would meet us exactly where we're at, that you would deepen our dependence on you and our connection to your loving character. God, give us the boldness and the courage and the humility to love the least of these because when we love the least of these, we do that unto you. And in a miraculous way, we pray that you'd expand your kingdom And someday in heaven, we'll get to sit around and enjoy all the hidden ways that you've been at work. And until that point comes, we on earth will give you all the praise and glory with our mouth and with our hands, with our entire being, both now and forevermore. Amen and amen. Let's stand as we continue to worship.